You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Was the start of Starset intended as like an album first or was was the lore already kind of drafted? Like what what was kind of the initial pitch? You, you referred to the whiteboard that you found. So like oh, yeah, what was yeah. what, no, what, no, no, what did no. that he, entail? He always that was before the music. I think that was 2012. And I don't want to speak for him because I could make I could totally butcher this. But like I just know from my outsider, like him telling me as a really good friend, he would bounce all these ideas off of me on late night phone calls. And we would just because I was working. And so he would call me later and. Um, I just remembered talking about a lot of what he, um, you know, how he envisioned this to be and whether that was a, it never felt like marketing. It certainly never felt like anything but a wild idea. I just like, there was so much to so much depth to the, to the background of this whole thing. Um, it's just, you know, when you're talking to, a crackhead that they're a crackhead, <laughs> you know, you just know you're like, okay, this guy's like off his hinges, something's totally wrong. Like never did I get a feeling like he could totally, you could put them side by side and him yelling about this story. And then a crackhead. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza here as always with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. How you guys doing? Good. I'm excited for this one. I was lucky to have one of my dear friends yes, from Starset. Yes. The, the final, the final piece of the puzzle that, that we have yet to, to speak with. Uh, Ron DeChant, the bass player and the, the brains alongside Dustin of this juggernaut that is Starset. And we learn a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. He's, he's kind of like the mechanics behind Starset. So many of the hidden things that go on that you didn't know about. That's that's Ron, hard at work. Simply so stay brilliant. tuned. Subscribe. <laughs> Part one with Rhonda Chant, 2020. Like and subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin here as always with my cohorts and my co-hosts, Benny Goodman and Corey Peza. And this week... Very, very special. My dear friend, one of the masterminds behind Starset, amazing bass player, business aficionado, super talented, and very humble in so many ways. I can't believe how humble he is. Rhonda Chant, my dear friend, I'm so glad that after so many episodes, he finally agreed to join us. Maybe take this a little more seriously yeah. <laughs> than he did at the beginning. My apologies. I think I, no. I think I hinted at coming on here. I don't know, 10 times. Yeah, it's all right. You're a busy guy. I feel like we finally collected them all now. We've got all of Star Set. So. Yeah, it's am like I, Am, po- I, it's am like I actually Pokemon. the last one? I don't know if Dustin well, did. Well, do, do you feel like the girl like on the date where you're like, are, am I the fifth girl you called tonight to see if I can go out? I always feel like the fifth girl that got called. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that's to be just here. How, that's how I operate. So I like being that yeah, last you're, you're one. the under the radar guy. That's that's why that. he's. Well, he's, he's a bass chilling. player. I mean, it's part yeah, of the territory. That is literally part of the territory. Hide him in the mix. 
Yes. Hide me in everything. I'm surprised I'm not in the back. Come on, man. <laughs> Were you the guy that came up with the idea of wearing space helmets so you could block your face? Because I think that's Do you really brilliant. think that I would come up with the idea to wear a space helmet myself? <laughs> would you? Well, I mean, I feel like if I could go to concerts where I wouldn't have to worry about COVID, I wear a space helmet that's everywhere true, I go. But that would mean that, okay, I'm going to give Dustin the credit, but that would mean that he would be like, massive Nostradamus talent. Like to know that wouldn't surprise me at all. Like in twenty thirteen that we're supposed to protect ourselves from You sure he wasn't analyzing like the CDC records and like going like, you know what, something's coming. You know, there was a time (laughs) there was a time when Dustin was first giving me the information about this project and I'm sure he was researching CDC stuff. But I'm sure his internet browser was also like hitting on like CIA and FBI (laughs) stuff. And like there was definitely yeah. He's going to disappear. You're going to find a tape of him from like 18 years ago going, you're all going to be in my universe and you're going to need my helmet. Well, Probably. speaking of Here's this, the- though, <laughs> while, while we're on this topic, I think that's a good place to start. You know, before we get into your background personally, can you talk a little bit about like those beginning ideas of Star Set and some of the ideas Dustin came to you with? Because that, that's really yeah. cool. Even Please. me in the band, there's a lot of things I feel like I'd like well, to learn. <laughs> it was. I mean, I met Dustin... Uh, it was well before star set ideas. I mean, we did, uh, man, that, that was 20. I, he's going to know better than me and I'm sure he'll correct me on it. Like if he ever watches this 2009, I think I met him. I saw it, my, but my, uh, brother went to Ohio university. Um, that's where Dustin was getting his masters. So I had met him. I just, I mean, I went to a college party and I went to this bar and this band was playing and, uh, you know, later I find out this was downplay, but this was, you know, Dustin and his guys that he had been playing just covered uh, songs with uh, at this place called Blue Gator in at OU. And I bought the bassist a beer and I guess I subsequently bought, bought Dustin a beer. And uh, I think I just complimented him on like some cover they did and I just was randomly talking to him. And then I ended up living with the bassist like months down the line we kept in contact and lived with him and that's how i started to kind of pay attention to what was going on with downplay but anyways so that kind of uh transpired into me somehow playing bass <laughs> uh the, yeah that roommate uh him and i were still friends but uh he kind of fizzled out of the band and made a you know a decision to uh focus on his pro life and uh and i started i literally picked up bass i I had played bass and I played music, uh, but I I had not done it like that. Um, this was just like, hey, I have, there's a void, a gap. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, but yeah, as far as like the early things with Dustin, that was, man, uh, to think about that, it's like we'd have to rewind. I mean, all of the, I guess all the unique conversations that I had with him as a friend first, like it was always understanding his brain. I never really, yes. I'm like, this guy is just like, so unique. I never, I could never understand what was going on in his head, which made me want to hang out with him more. It was always that. Um, and he, he has just a very unique sense of humor. And I was probably one of the reasons why I stayed friends with him the most, but then music was a huge part of it. And I had not done music in years. I mean, I was a military contractor. I did it for 12 years before this. Um, and before that I was in college and then I did, I was kind of doing that in between college and, uh, I had music as a background as a kid. I mean, everything on that side of things, I I started that very young, but I kind of had like a whole gap of time. So I kind of think Dustin to getting me back into music, honestly. Um, But yes, his early conversations about 
the StarSet project were pretty wild, um, which is why I say his internet browser and the research he did to figure out what he was doing. And he was doing stuff for the Air Force too. So his whole thought process was very much along the lines of anything that you'd think a, a counterintelligence analyst would be like, what is this guy looking for? <laughs> oh, he's just writing a, yeah, he's writing a book. He's writing this like really cool, like sci-fi, uh, you know, thematic cinematic experience of this cross-branded uh, vehicle. No, it, they're probably thinking he's like literally trying to figure out how to take down the government. <laughs> so, Wait, was he I, the guy that declassified MK Ultra? Those hundred thousand pages? <laughs> I feel like that's him. He's like, you know what? Let's just talk about aliens. He's like, tell us what Nixon hid. And he figured what's, it out because he's dusted. What's really fascinating about that, I was actually, I was listening to a podcast driving today about not just, not just those files, but just basically the concept of, of why a lot of this still hasn't come out. And I still believe it's just total chaos. I think no one wants that chaos right now. So, Yeah. You mean like I giving know. random dignitaries acid and pushing them out windows? <laughs> that too. I mean, yeah, the, the, a lot of things would go wrong if, the right information was in the masses' hands. Let's just put it that way. Well, I think that also anything, uh, you know, even innocent, if worded the right way, can trigger half the country pretty quickly. You know, like or or, for, or from what we've learned based upon your podcast, uh, anything that's factual that's given to the masses can also be right. completely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty much like information as it stands. Yeah, screwed. information is so. pretty dangerous at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, ha I have to ask you guys, have you, uh, has Netflix suggested and forced you to watch Don't Look Up? I did. Absolutely. Yeah, I watched, I watched it. it a yeah. couple days ago. It was yeah. like yeah. the number one <laughs> movie on well, Netflix. No. So first off, I want to ask you guys if you think this, because I remember talking to Siobhan before um, the Queen's Gambit like hit. I'm like, it's going to be number one this weekend. And she's like, no, it's not. Like, And I called her. I'm like, do you know that it is? She's like, what? that it's number one. And I'm convinced that Netflix just tells you things are number one or top 10. And they're just like, we're going to push this by just making you watch it. And it doesn't even have to be number one that they just put it there. You mean, and then everyone you mean like the yeah. general, the general marketing idea. Yeah. yeah they're like, yeah. yeah, they're like, Hey, this 6.1 out of 2000 fucking views thing is not number seven. It just sucks. And we put it up there. So people yeah. will watch it. I think it. the 12 A-list actors helped a little bit too. <laughs> right. It, yeah. it, it, but it that did. Movie is so but right. it also, there's a lot of money behind that one too. Yeah. So there's certainly an algorithm that I, I'm sure that they, they pump that Benny. You're probably right. There's no reason why they but would. But do you think, that if Dustin came out and said there's a there's going to be an asteroid that hits the fucking planet that people would believe him before the president. I think I, I feel think, like I would. I think more than most people, they might give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm biased. I might work right alongside the guy, but I would like to think that he's an educated person that lives in truth. I, yeah, I would like to think that people would give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not a political person, but I feel like if Joe Biden was to come on television or Dustin to talk about an interstellar <laughs> planetary problem. I would yeah. trust I would trust Dustin more than any of Biden's experts. I know he would not like to be compared to Biden, not in a political <laughs> sense. Just like, well, I'm not say. comparing him. I'm saying he blows him out of the fucking asteroid, man. <laughs> okay, well, at the risk of getting too much off the rails so early in the episode, let's get back to Ron, and I'm going to keep everything <laughs> on on track here. So, you know, we spoke a little bit about Starset, but let's go back because you mentioned some interesting things about your background. Maybe let's go more chronological and talk yeah. about. You know, you said you were a military contractor, some of the work you did prior to getting back into music. I feel like that's immensely interesting because so much of what you do now is so business oriented to alongside your work that you do in music. So maybe guide us through a little bit of your background and in, in your work life before Starset. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I, this is so crazy, but I was thinking about 
I had actually watched, I hadn't watched Brock's, but I had watched Adams during like the true 2020 quarantine. Right. Uh So I had thought, I knew that there would be some sort of question around at least background. Um, But then I had recently watched, um, recently watched Brock's and I was just trying to like figure out exactly like everyone has an angle of how they either got into music or what they did. I literally have just realized that most of the things that I've ever done in my life, I just basically fell into. Um, and that's fine. I mean, it's not like I, I'm not like a strategic person, but I do find strategy in, in partnering with the right people and working alongside the, uh, I'd say the, the, the brainiacs of the people that are extreme risk takers. Dustin just happens to be both. Um, in my early days of military contracting, I fell into that because my cousin was very much the risk taker, um, but he had been an ex-military guy and he wanted to uh, make a difference in the land of a lot of not so great military contractors. Um, I, was in, I was in college, I was a sophomore in college and I was just helping him do general task things while tr- still trying to put myself through the rest of my schooling. Can you explain um, before you go on what yeah. what that entails? Like what what is military contracting? What sort of work? Yeah. Is that? Okay. So the ugly term. Of Are it you is, mercenary? Yeah. The ugly term of it is that. So if you've heard of Blackwater, you've heard of the the individual well multitude of companies that during prior to Bush era, but that was when it got ugly. Um, Halliburton. You know, yeah. Exactly. The government outsources a lot of its work uh, because if they go into a large theater or a large country. Um, and needs to operate, they cannot do so just with the military individuals that they have you know, active duty, if you will, or for that matter, anything in the rear as well, because there's a multitude of people here. Um, so they outsource, um, and that can be anything under the sun that is necessary to set up an operational force in country or analytics, or even all the way down to building things, putting out fires, cooking, you name it. Like they, they're doing all of that in places that are, you know, you're housing thousands of people. So our, my cousin was focused very much on language. Um, he was an Arabic interpreter and he'd learned that language. And then he was uh, partnering with some guys who's a special forces guy. Um, and they were, they saw a huge need for linguists, people translating Pashtun or Arabic and this relative countries that they were in. Um, and he was actually recruited to manage those linguists on the ground and was watching how those language interpreters from the United States were being treated and he didn't like it and neither did his partner. Um, and I'm, you know, probably butchering their startup story, but they just wanted to do it better. And they found a way to recruit linguists more efficiently, um, at a better quality. And that was a massive military contract that he won. I was probably still a junior in college at the time he won it. And the company went from like six people to 300 in the States and went from, probably hundred in theater to thousands. Uh, and all, all of a sudden I'm watching, you know, everything grow around us and I'm just, you know, I'm the IT guy. Like I'm just trying to like solve everybody's problems on that side of it, but also learning a ton. I mean, getting a, you know, a top secret clearance and doing all these things that I never dreamed of doing, but I was only dreaming of it in college of just sitting there learning how to do it. I was a poli sci major and I ended up doing some security and intelligence major and I wanted to actually be in the agencies. So um, yeah, that's like the long and short of what a contractor does, but there's so many faucets of contracting that I was only in this tiny little niche. So no, Benny, not a mercenary, though I felt like it sometimes. But did you did you blow up all the linguists after you were done so that they can hire you again to send more linguists in like Halliburton? Did Cheney give you that model? God, Cheney. 
Yeah. What's the, uh, what is the Netflix uh, one with him in it? Oh my God. I watched that over quarantine. It made me want to. Uh, it's hor- he's the scariest man that's ever lived. Very, yeah. I don't know. I, it was, you can't see it from Google, Google Earth. They blacked him out. So I mean, if, if that tells you anything, <laughs> he's black ops for real, man. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was not to say that any military contracting now, if I'm you know ten years out of it, is you know not to say there's not shady things that happen. I mean, you're also dealing with the government. Like there's a lot of things that aren't handled properly, right? Uh, but it was a massive learning curve. I mean, I went from a college student who hadn't managed really anything other than knowing very much what to do with computers to just, I'm just like, holy crap, drinking from a fire hose. And everyone that we worked with was doing similar things. Either they're ex-military or they were just really young, motivated people. And it was awesome. Um, and it made me, that's why I said that I fall into this stuff. Yes, my cousin had done this and he'd started a company, but I was like right there with him at the early days. Um, and it just you're not going to walk away from something like that when it's exploding. You just, you can't, I can't. Some people are like, Oh my God, it's terrifying. I can't do this. I need to go somewhere else. When there's fire, I'm like running to it. So is that a double entendre or sure. is it a true story? No, I mean, that's well that, yeah, it happened a couple of times. Those are things I probably won't talk about, but yeah, it got, it got sketchy. I was overseas a lot, a, a lot, a lot. I spent most of my twenties going back and forth between the middle East and here. So, wow. Can I but, ask yeah. what what was it like your experience of going there? Because that's one region that I've never been to, and it seems so so foreign, like even more foreign than some of the places that we go on tour, right? Yeah. Like, what is it like over there? Well, I'll tell you one thing. There's a reason why I can live out of a backpack. Because yeah, I'm, I'm 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 not any stranger to going on a bus with a backpack now. I don't I don't need a lot. Um, that certainly trains you real quick. You just don't need much. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the environment there is. Well, there's parts of that, the parts of that world is just absolutely beautiful. And then there's parts of it that are the ugliest places and you'd never want to go. Um, but that all depends on what's happening at the time. You can understand why people are defending their countries and their lands there because some of it is just unbelievable. Um, and you see it from unique vantage points. Um, I remember writing uh, a buddy, one of the IT guys that we would deploy with, was friends with uh, one of the helicopter battalions. So in northern Afghanistan, we had opportunities to jump in uh, their helicopters in the early mornings and see some of the countryside. And it was like, you could imagine if, if this was even close to, it's a negative connotation, but a westernized some of the ski resorts that could be on these mountains. Of course, that you would never want that to really happen. That would probably displace a lot of people, but this is some of the most beautiful views you'd ever seen. Um, it's, it, it certainly is, uh, it's really sad um, to see a lot of how those people live. Um, and even more sad to watch what we go into with what goals we go into from a diplomatic standpoint versus a militaristic standpoint. Um, I don't know. I definitely still have, uh, mixed feelings about the things that we did, but good for um, you for being so bold though. That's, that's really inspiring. And that's, yeah, something that a lot of, like, I'll say for all three of us, a lot of the people we've talked to that are super successful they have that similar approach of like i see fire and i run for it you know like really drawn to like the the risk taking and willing to go on an adventure and um I- i'm curious going back a little bit when yeah. you were in college just kind of you know you fell into this what what was your vision for what you thought you wanted to do uh in the long run when you were just getting started in college before all of this happened did you have an idea of what you wanted to do was this vastly different from what you envisioned oh vastly different absolutely i knew that i um 
Okay, my first year out of high school, I had went to a college in Illinois. I grew up in Chicago. Um, my parents moved to Cleveland. Dad took. Wait, a what's your favorite? What's your favorite Italian beef sandwich place? That's important. <laughs> Portillo. Do you have the hot? Only Portillo. Portillo's. But do you have it dipped? And do you have the jardinara? Or it's do you just have it's it just play? like covered. I don't know what it's called. It's just it's. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I'm saying, do you have the hots? <laughs> do you have the hots? You just dip it. Just dip, dip it in the au jus. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't do the jardinara, but I dip the shit out of that. It's delicious. <laughs> so that I, my, we lived down the street from a Portillo, so I like grew up on it. I was like the, yeah, the Chicago dog and all of that Italian beef. I loved it, and I still like to this day. A lot of I mean, Dustin probably doesn't get it, but every time we go into that uh, part of the country, I'm like, where is it? I need to eat it. And it's like, and it's so terrible for you. You feel horrible after you eat that. <laughs> I don't. I always yeah. feel better after eating Portillo's. Brought to you by Portillo's. <laughs> Go to Portillo's. Man, somebody, yeah. They need to send you some Portillo's. Right? I know. We need I, a sponsor I so. desperately. Maybe so we can desperate. learn something from you. Oh, honey, I said, <laughs> I think it was Jeff Schroeder. Jeff Schroeder's from Chicago, one of our previous guests. He's on the Daily Blast. And I said, dude, I bet you have some like in your freezer. And he's like, I do. He That's actually right. had I knew Portillo's. We talked about this with he before. had Portillo's yeah, in his totally freezer did. in LA. See, that's the thing about my friends in Chicago. Someone, <laughs> someone sent me a Luminati's pizza last year for Christmas. That's in my freezer. Well, there's like a stack of them. And my, fam- my family say. does that. My family sends Portillo's to people. That didn't happen this year, but I'm surprised I don't have any in my fridge or my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So once so again, anyway, we, we, have yeah, we have another sponsor that we need to get involved yep. with. Luminati's. Just so you know, it's not pizza. It's, it's pie. It's more on. pie than pizza. It is pie. Giordano's a It's a pie. Better. I'll say that's better, but they've branched out. They're not as Chicago anymore. So, well, they I don't mean, punch I you in the face. Like, if you eat about pizza, I don't know if you really want to talk about pizza, but no, but I'm saying if you eat <laughs> Luminati's, right? You yeah. can't, I can eat a whole Papa Gino's pizza here in, in, in Boston. I eat one piece of Luminati's. I'm not going fucking anywhere for a week. <laughs> it's like six on. pounds. Oh, dude. Six so pounds. Good. It's basically so lasagna good. at that point, I think. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Totally. We should have a Luminati's eating contest. I'm going to see. I'm going to see how that goes. Ooh, I will just Everyone be loses. a spectator in that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink wine and judge. <laughs> is that what you do anyway? You just drink wine and judge basically. us from your <laughs> just basically. Your... <laughs> reeling right, it anyway, back before, in. Though, yeah. yeah, reeling it back into. You were mentioning, um, you know, when you got out of high school, going into college, what yeah. your vision was for what you were going to do. Yeah. So. Uh, first year out of um, high school, I went to a school that was a state school. I didn't, my parents weren't moving at the time. So this was, you know, a couple hours away. Um, my, I set my sights on being basically, and uh, I can't remember what the, I can't remember what the actual degree was. It was new. You mentioned poli sci. Was it something? Yeah, to do but it was with, be- uh... it was before poli sci because Ohio State didn't actually have it, and I transferred, and it was a whole other reason why I did that. Uh, okay. I was basically trying to. I mean, FBI had this uh, HRT team, which is like it's more of a that's a, a lot of acronyms. Yeah, it's a more of like a special forces type side of that agency. I really wanted to be more active in the side of a, a more domestic division of that. Um, so I was studying. Truly, actually, the same people in my classes were studying to be a state trooper. I didn't want to be a cop, um, but I knew that I had to go through that, you know, initial, you know, setup to do that in order to get into like anal- you know, analyst, analyst work, but also like uh, investigation type work. So that was roughly the idea. Um, that year was whatever. I probably wasn't, you know, you got to check yourself. And I, I was definitely not mature enough to go to college yet. Uh, my parents 
I was the oldest, but I was uh, still very much living in a high school mentality. I live with a buddy of mine who is still actually a great friend, but at the time was like a best friend and we lived together and he was one year older than me and I moved in with him and it just didn't, it, nothing fused right. I didn't get the true college experience. So that really fell apart quick. So I didn't really get a lot out of the first year of college. Uh, my parents ended up moving. My dad had to take a job. We, they moved to Cleveland. That was like damn near 12 hours away. Uh, that was too much. And the girl that I was dating at the time, that relationship also fell apart. So everything that I had that was like, I thought was cool, didn't work out. So uh, my dad, smart enough, came uh, to the college in, in Illinois and he was like, hey, it doesn't seem like you're doing well. Even it looks like your grades are suffering. Let's, you know, let's show you where I went to school. Let's, let's take a road trip. And we did. And it was, he, he was moving me out of that school because I was going home for the summer and we drove through Columbus and it was summer quarter. It was nuts. Cause I mean, it's Ohio state. I mean, that school I went to was like 10,000 people. If that the Ohio state is 65 at the time. So it was just chaos. Um, and sure the sophomore in college of me saw a bunch of party, but I also saw a school that was far different than what I went to and hot chicks. Lots yeah, of there, was a, there was a lot of chicks hanging out on rooftops. It was actually pretty interesting. So. Oh, dude, the girls in Ohio and yeah. at Ohio. I bet you if you look up at Playboy, which is not even a real thing anymore, there's probably a, like a list of the hottest girls, and it's probably Ohio State's probably top top three. And there's like Miami or you, you know. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know you. Benny. I just read books the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, that's why you're a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> I did read books uh, <laughs> like, I can't read. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ohio State opened up a whole different thing. My cousin lives in Columbus. Um, I, it was the only family member I knew here. They, my rest of my family was up in Cleveland, like I said. Um, so I built a bond with him. I was having dinner with him every like, Sunday. We started to talk about what I was doing. And then this led its way. I knew he was a special forces guy. I knew that he had already been to Iraq with what was going on there after 9-11. So he was giving me all of his insider information as to like what I should do. And I told him, I'm like, look, I'm about ready to just jump into the military and do what you do. Not do like, I have to go through basic and all that. But I was like, I was ready to just go straight up, uh, like try and get into special forces and go that route. Cause I was frustrated with everything I was trying to do. And he literally said, do not do what I'm doing. He said, just do not. I'm like, Okay. Uh, you're a family member telling me, do not join the military, but you're in the military. All right. Um, and he found a professor at Iowa State that he had known and uh, recommended a, a, a course that I took and that changed everything. And I started interning with him while doing that. And the rest is history with military. Wow. wow. What was the class out of curiosity? Uh, they just started, well, this was 2000. So high school is 03, 04, 05. They had started, you know, four years after 9-11, they were focusing on building intelligence focus. So it, it was security and intelligence was the focus, but it was still a poli-sci division. Eventually it broke off to being its own like security and intelligence major, uh, which I guess years after me, that's what it was called. But so my focus was security and intelligence, but it was a poli-sci major. Um, anyways, I was reading every book about post 9-11 and pre 9-11 and then everything that had to do with how, you know, militias are, uh, formed and what counterterrorism is and why terrorism. Are you on a watch effect. list now too? Because I, I feel know. like if I you and Dustin, books, I just read books, if you guys man. have the I didn't, same I didn't, like, internet connection, it, so. <laughs> you probably, you guys between you and Dustin are probably setting off some serious warning bells at Alexa right now. They're like, what? why is he Googling this? He hasn't gone off. 
So. But this was back in the day of books and libraries, right? I mean, like yeah. even me in college, yeah. well, it wasn't so, so much Google searching, really. But what's know? funny is I think about it now, and I need to go pull up and find like some of my old papers because we literally wrote books about what we think went wrong. I'm not books. We wrote papers about what we think went wrong with 9-11, but things prior to that. And that whole, our professors were pushing us to be almost conspiracy theorists. Where it's like now you think about this in years later, I mean, almost what, 15, 17 years later. God, I'm old. This sucks. <laughs> um, but you're thinking about it. You're like, wow, like, I can't. I, I almost want to go back to school to see if that's happening now because you don't want anyone. It's almost like we're like, don't be a conspiracy theorist. Don't. Yeah. Don't listen to Joe Rogan. Don't don't let don't listen to those voices in your head telling you this is not exactly what you've been told. Yeah, but kids are contrarians, dude. They're totally contrarians. I have a 16-year-old that I've inherited and uh <laughs> you know her her girlfriend comes over and she literally says to me, "I I want to watch Schindler's List." I said, "Why? You want to watch Schindler's List?" She knows I'm a Jew first off because obviously the nose gave it away. And I'm like, "Why do you want to watch Schindler's List?" And she's like, "Well, we're learning about it in school." And first off, my heart as a Jewish mother was like, "You're learning about Schindler uh, about Schindler about Schindler's List. You're learning about the Holocaust." And she goes and tells my daughter about watching the movie. She's like, three hours to watch that." <laughs> and oh, I'm like, "You made me watch all eight fucking Harry Potter movies that are six hours each." Like. But we watched them and she complained and all that. And I was more offended by my fiance who fell asleep like six minutes into it. Like, <laughs> and afterwards I debriefed my daughter and she was like, no, that was very serious. And I can't believe what they did in Poland. And blah, blah. I was yeah. like, so they're learning shit. Those yeah. kids are act- they're looking again. Like we were yeah. lazy fucking assholes, like huffing white out. These kids are now like, but what do we have to learn? What is the government not, not telling I, us? I'm definitely not saying that people aren't learning. And I, I believe they are. I've, I've actually, they're probably, I wish we had the internet like we do now, because it's probably even easier to get different angles. I'm just saying I learned a certain angle. There was no internet to tell me one way or the other. And I had to read it out of a book and then I made a decision. Um, and I was being told, think outside the box. Think about what might have happened that history didn't tell you from the news in the newspaper. It's, it's different now. It's interesting. And I, I, I've applied that train of thought and I had a lot of time on my own uh, in my 20s going back and forth. So a lot of nights sitting in a cot thinking like, what the hell? And where my friends are probably sitting at home getting drunk. And I'm like, <laughs> Was I'm your roommate Alex there. Jones? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be cool, though. Actually, I, I had some pretty cool roommates, but no, nothing to that caliber now. <laughs> Wow. No, but that, that's yeah. an amazing story. That So you, you had kind of a shift once you moved to Ohio State. And at what point, yeah. uh, it was within like a year or two that you got involved in your cousin's business, right? Yeah, I did. And he was, uh, I, he, and I, it's hard because you, it sounds like nepotism. It sounds like a guy takes you under his wing. And he truly did. Um, he really did. Um, but I was also a lost person coming out of a really strange, like, weird post high school experience it sounds so emo and dramatic but it was really weird so it's like scared straight so he's like we're gonna take you to the middle fucking east motherfucker yeah, yeah and you're he, gonna be scared because yeah. everyone has an ar-15 on every fucking corner p.s you might die yeah yeah and we almost did a couple times and it was wild but i thank him because he he like dustin ushered me into a whole different chapter of my life and that guy just said look, you can do this. And then he, he watched me do it, some of it. And he's like, you can do more. And before I knew it, I was almost a, well, I was director of IT for a long stint at that company running, you know, hundreds of people in a domestic fashion, but thousands overseas and constantly going back and forth. And it's just, you know, 
that was uh, that really ushered in the mentality for me that you just get shit done. I just found mm -hmm. ways to get shit done and problem solve, and I just I got addicted to it. So, um, yeah. and that's what's where it really changed how I was like, all right, I uh, I what's that movie that Jim Carrey's in? Uh, yes, man. When you just oh, basically yeah. have to do everything. Yeah. I literally didn't. Ha I had a mentality like that for at least five years where it was just like, all right, I'm doing it. Like I had the energy and I had the opportunity. I'm doing it no matter what it was. Just go. Um, is it weird that I see exactly why Dustin wanted you in the band? Because when we first asked him, like, so yeah, <laughs> about Ron, he's like, he's so good with logistics. He's like 16 things before he's like, and he plays bass. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, I get it, dude. You are literally everything. He's like, he's a conspiracy theorist, but he didn't know it. He just was, was naturally thinking, organically thinking outside of the box. thinking outside the box, he was, yeah. Yeah, and, and I get it because Adam, the one thing I've learned from Adam about Starset was leave them asking questions and I have so many questions about his mother <laughs> <laughs> it's a Freud thing That's what I want to know all about it wait are you, no, are you, are you, about, are you about Adam's mother is that what you're saying no no, oh, no, Dustin. Oh, got about it. Dustin. Got it, got it, I'm got sorry. It. That was in my own mind. I, you don't, you're not yeah. telekinetic. I mean, if you're in the man that stares at goats or whatever with George Clooney, where they did, again, MK Ultra style, like psychic <laughs> tests with astral projection, you would have known what I was saying. But I'm got saying it. I have all kinds of questions about Dustin because he's like, okay. I think he's a savant. I think he's literally a savant. I'm not even joking. I'm being serious. I've never seen somebody like when I went and saw you guys last time, I'm like, this, this is the standard. For if you're a new band, you can't be a band anymore. You have to be an organization. You have to have a logistics. Like you're the guy in Ocean's Eleven that's like turn left. Okay, there's gonna be something on your right. I can see you. I can see I think, like you're that guy. I think you're right. I think you're right and you're wrong because I think there are bands out there right now that are way over here and they're like four on the floor, not even a bassist on stage, and you're just like, okay, there's nothing going on there, but it's awesome, and I love to watch it. Um, one of my favorite bands is the hives. I, I mean, I can't get enough of just like watching just, it, you know, they just, they have an awesome show and they're super generic, but they have really great vibe and really great beat. And they're over here and it makes sense. And it's super appealing. And then I don't know where the middle went, but then there's bands over <laughs> on our side that you have to have exactly what you just said. There's a theater, there's a backstory, there's all of that. In the the in between, I think it's washed away. Um, I don't I don't think there's staying power in, in it anymore. Um, I think you you certainly can build a brand on both sides. Um, I think there's more staying power on our side of the brand building, but I'm biased. So. I don't think you're biased because that's why I think it's genius because I I think L. Ron Hubbard's the closest thing I can think of to to Dustin. He's like I'm gonna write my own like Isaac Asimov says, hey. Uh, you can't make a religion and like L. Ron Hubbard's like, oh, hold my beer. Adam's like, not Adam, excuse me. Adam's not as smart as Dustin. We know that. He's a drummer. I love Adam, uh, by the way. Drumabuse.com. Yeah, no, first off, drumabuse.com because that man's, no, he, Adam is actually, again, a savant because nobody would be on your freaking team unless they were like top of the line. But like where Isaac Asimov was like, hey, Ron, you can't make this, this religion. He's like, Again, hold my beer. I'm going to come up with Xenu, aliens, and volcanoes. <laughs> Dustin's like, oh, yeah, let me think outside of the box. And then you literally create these worlds where you have to almost, like, you don't know as much as your fans if they're really into you as much as Dustin made them into you. <laughs> Which is a good, it's a good segue back to what we were talking about a little earlier. Like, when you first started um, having those conversations with Dustin, maybe we can jump back to there. Yeah, what those you know, sound like. The, uh, you know, for us here... Uh, you know, especially Ben and I, we were introduced to Starset after, you know, 
that juggernaut was already on its way. So like we kind of got this the the full picture there. But what what was the initial conversations and like like how what were your first thoughts of like all right how is this going to work? Well, I just realized as I was I had uh, I just got over Omicron, which was great. Uh, the last oh, like, like 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 seven days ago or whatever it was. Um, oh right? my god! I hope you feel better, man. Oh, it was great. No, I felt I felt <laughs> fine. So here's why you're very I'm, immune now. Here's here's why I'm yeah no shit exactly. Um, I'm telling you this because I could. It wasn't so bad. Um, I just got done cleaning my entire basement out because I had. I don't know what it was. I had so much energy having this last bout of COVID, and I've had it twice. I had so much energy. I chopped. I chopped down trees in my backyard. I cleaned out an entire basement. I threw out dumpsters of stuff. I hadn't done this in a while, uh, so it was like a crazy purge. And I was just like cleaning everything. Anyways. The reason I tell you that is I dug through some old star set stuff. I dug through some stuff that we had like way before Siobhan, way before there was even like thoughts of having a band. And it was just like this box and this pile of stuff in my basement. I'm looking at it. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I need to like figure out if Dustin, I need to keep any of this. And, but so you need to start them, a museum now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's straight up felt like a museum while I'm coughing. Cause it's so dusty down there. But uh, the one of them is a whiteboard. Uh, and you can see his brain and you're like, what on earth are you writing? And it's still written for our first tour in Dustin's handwriting. And it's just shit everywhere. What are you uh, putting on eBay? No, your eBay handle? no, that's like, uh, it's actually more of like, a, <laughs> I think it's invaluable and I should show it to him because it's more of an exercise in his own thought process of like, <laughs> here's, what, here's what you thought to do for the 2013 first step into star set in terms of a band. And I can see half of the things that we did and it was a total mistake and some of the things were amazing you're like oh my god i can't believe that bullet point turned into that um that was cool and so those weren't early conversations though so to your point Corey, there yeah. we we had we had that kind of display of chaos in every conversation we had leading up to that point so he was he was a friend right i mean i had i didn't we played some crazy shows together i was his basis to downplay for a while because half his band either quit or just was getting sick of doing the uh, the record label uh, kind of shows to show off, you know, everything that Downplay was. Sounds horrible. It was, it was a lot. Well, it was a lot. I mean, you, you had to put, for him, it probably felt horrible because he was hurting cats of a band that was very much not like Adam, Brock, Siobhan, Z, no professionals. Like, the, and not to hate on these guys, but like they were in it in a totally different era. It honestly felt like, I don't know. I don't want to say bad uh, things about other bands, but it was like, it was chaos for him and he was tour managing and he was the singer and he was trying to put on this artistic thing for record labels in order to achieve a deal. And I was watching it happen and watching it fail or watching it succeed sometimes. And then realizing, Oh my God, this guy's got something special, but the other people around him don't get it. So I'm in like, I remember there was one point, one of the conversations we we're driving to like way North Wisconsin. It was me and him. He had to, we had to fucking get a drummer from a different band to play that night for this one-off gig. And we're, we're driving like 14 hours from, I think his hometown in Salem at the time, just to play this one show because it was with a band that was going to potentially introduce us to a different manager. And we're talking like just doing anything to grind. And that was the real grind of star set. It was the years prior of him just doing anything. Um, and I just remember the conversations and it was just like, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that. And I'm like, I'm still a military contractor. I'm not even thinking about music. I'm just trying to sponge in whatever the heck he's talking about. And it was wild. And 
that the funny story is the van at the time was driving <laughs> through an epic rainstorm and it was this old shitty Chevy van that he had been touring in and the entire thing, the dashboard, the lights, everything went out and we're driving 50 miles an hour on this dark ass highway, no one on it. And the whole thing shuts out and he like, kind of like pulls over to the side of the road. We don't even have emergency lights because the rain got into like the battery and it just, it was terrifying. And all we had was a trailer behind us. And he's like, dude, like we're going to get side swiped. Um, and he's just like pounding on the steering wheel. And then just out of nowhere, this, like the third pound in the steering wheel, of the van <laughs> comes back on and we just pull over to a pilot like 10 miles down the road. But like, we'll still, we'll still laugh about that story because it's so wild. Like that was what we were experiencing in the early it's the universe. Yeah. It's the fuck. I, I, first off, that's not even a joke that, I firmly believe at this point that you get what you, you you put out. It's every, you know, energy transfers. If you guys, he's literally hitting the steering wheel going, no, because yeah. he's a prophet of something crazy with his synesthesia. <laughs> he, he was turns just the lights back on. By a semi. That was like, <laughs> all right, we're going to have a semi. That's what you back. think. Yeah. That yeah. was layer one of the inferno that is Dustin's mind. <laughs> No, but, but yeah. this is amazing because you're on the brink of talking about like this intersection between like your sort of prior life and this involvement. So keep going. Keep yeah, going. Yeah. So we, but that was, okay. That was, I don't know, one drive. Um, we did 20, 25 more of them. Um, there were guys that are good friends of mine now that we had just a drummer, a friend that came in and did a one-off show and we had a ridiculous night. We played a, we played a show. Um, it's funny cause I was watching Adams. We played a show at El Rosa uh, where Dimebag got shot. And like, I knew of that situation because I knew I was on that stage. And that was one of the nights where I'm like, oh, wow, I know something about this. I was in Columbus uh, right after that, that happened. Um, but like, I kind of got to feel like what it was like to play on hollowed ground and be in a, in a weird situation and, and felt some call to music. Not to say that that show did it, but like, well, hold on, but that's a sacred thing. Just so you know, I I actually was loosely I, I didn't I wasn't friends with Dimebag, but I knew Vinny a little bit, and they had, I had seen him like November twenty fourth, uh, and I hung out because they had given me my birthday is November sixteenth, and they actually let me and my friends backstage for my birthday. Wow. So wow. like that is a, a crazy place, and they just knocked it down. They did, you know, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, maybe you weren't attached to it, but just so you know, like just my age yeah. i'm even older than you that's like it brings tears to my eyes just to think about how crazy that moment was so the fact that you were even standing on that same spot to me is like when the guy goes into the woods and like this is where buddy holly's plane crashed yeah and this is yeah. where all, the dime bag for me well, we, and we i maybe he i'm sure in his own way would think about that but dustin's a little bit more like point of business matter of fact doing what he's doing in the moment it's too but morbid I, it's too dark but but I was like, oh shit, like this is uh this is wild. I'm doing this or I'm doing other things. And there's many other stories where I'm like doing something and I'm meeting a certain band backstage with Dustin, who this is the guy I've been friends with for five years and hadn't really had that kind of experience. I've had like drunken nights and hilarious conversations, and all of a sudden I'm backstage with Alien Ant Farm and Red, and I'm trying to think of the other band that was with us at the time, and we are just you know, we're hanging out on their bus and I'm just like, this is, uh, this is slowly morphing into, I don't really know this guy that I'm starting to call my best friend anymore. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's doing some crazy shit that I hadn't, I, I knew he was capable, but I'm like, wow, he's like, he's really fucking doing it and he's doing it again. And I, I will remember always the conversation he had with me when he wrote the I guess the, essentially the business plan, but he wouldn't call it that. He wrote the mantra of what Starset's first lore was supposed to be. And it was, uh, 
you just said, you know, if this doesn't work out and I can't get my ideas to, I don't know if it was the word percolate or whatever he used, if I can't get this to take off in a way that I can get this music out, and whether that meant a record deal or just some form of success so he could do this as a career. He's like, this is it, this is it. Like, this is the last thing I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go right back to engineering. I'm gonna focus on what I was doing. Like, this is it. And and I think he was somewhat of a way asking if I wanted to be a part of it. And I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm good on what I've been doing for the last 10 years. I, I'm kind of sick of risking my life and doing some really crazy stuff. I'd like to do a change and, and music was, was it. So. And he also trusted me during those last two years prior to pick up a bass. And I'm pretty sure I sucked so bad starting <laughs> off. Um, but he trusted me with that too. And we just kept doing it. And I like everything else in my life at that point, it was an opportunity. I took it and I was like going to fucking make it happen. I didn't care how, it, what it took. I was just going to do it. So make it happen kind of thing. That's amazing. It's interesting because, you know, it's you're you're dealing with kind of two separate things, uh, you know, downplay being kind of one idea and one brand and one trajectory and going into star set. I'm interested to hear, like, how did you like where did the separation begin? Like, was it like, okay, I'm going to create this entire new concept and downplay is going to kind of go off into its own world. And this is a totally different thing because there is a bit of overlap there, right? Yeah, there's there is certainly song overlap, but I feel like that was always inevitable because of the way that he writes. I mean, he writes so many things, so many ideas, starts to songs. I mean, I think Horizons had at least 60 songs, maybe mm-hmm. 90 starts. I mean, it was out of control, but he's done it the last four records. Um, but at the time, he was writing um, probably more than that. Um, I was down there with his, I think it was, eventually it was called Radiocalypse, but I went down to New Orleans when he was working with Dave Fortman and, and working on all of the... Uh, the songs that were going to go into that before the record label dropped him. Um, and Carnivore was actually on that, but named something different. Um, so he was, of course, he was taking, he was plucking the best things that he had written at that time. Uh, who wouldn't? Uh, My Demons was sure. birthed out of that creation cycle for him. Um, and he got the rights from, that was the one thing I think that he won when he got dropped by Epic Records was I, he's like, look, I need to own these masters. I need to do something with this project. You've spent money on me to record all this. And now I, now I can't do anything with it. And it was, that's the one thing I guess I'll say more about Dustin is just like, I don't have that, but he, I feel like he's one guy that has got just kicked in the nuts so many freaking times that it doesn't matter and it doesn't hurt. He just will just go again and just go do it again and talk about losing a record deal. But like, he just said, all right, well, fuck, I'm going to do it again, another way. And I just refused to fail. So, that, so that overlap, I don't think there was much overlap in terms of creation of the lore and, and sure, sort yeah. of things because he had to write and build all of that in his own mind. Um, but certainly musically there had to be, um, he, he didn't, you know, transmissions wasn't, uh, fully completed by any means, but he, you know, there was definitely a, a bulk of it that was b- ushering on the new project. So, yeah. So was it the, the original idea, or was was the start of Starset intended as like an album first, or was was the lore already kind of drafted? Like what what was kind of the initial pitch? You you referred to the whiteboard that you found. So oh, like yeah, what yeah. was what, no, no, what no, did no. that he, entail? He always that was before the music. I think that was twenty twelve. And I don't want to speak for him because I could make, I could totally butcher this, but like, I just know from my outsider, like him telling me as a really good friend, he would bounce all these ideas off of me on late night phone calls. And we would just, because I was working. And so he would call me later. And um, I just remember talking about a lot of what he 
um, you know, how he envisioned this to be. And whether that was a, it never felt like marketing. It certainly never felt like anything but a wild idea. I just like, there was so much to, so much depth to the, to the background of this whole thing. Um, it's just, you know, when you're talking to a crackhead that they're a crackhead, <laughs> you know, you just know you're like, okay, this guy's like off his hinges, something's totally wrong. Like never did I get a feeling like he could totally, you could put them side by side and him yelling about this story and then a crackhead. <laughs> like, you could. Like, you really could. And most of my friends would be like, dude, what the hell is wrong with this guy? I and mean, I, I was like, what? No, there's something crazy special about this. And a couple other people uh, who I won't mention, but uh, who were involved early on understood that. And some of his really good friends understood that. Um, investors and, and people that cared enough to, to know that it was like, oh, wow, this guy's got like, he's just bursting at the seams with ideas and someone needs to just like allow it to happen. It uh, is true. I'll attest it. I mean, you know, even me, like you can imagine my experience coming into like the middle of something that's kind of like blowing up, you know, and like all of my early experiences with Dustin is just like phone calls and him yelling at somebody about how they don't get it and this and that. And like, it took me a long time to really like understand the multiple layers of the yeah. onion, you know, well, I, and say, I, I yeah. can totally appreciate uh, your perspective. Yeah. I say crackhead because it's not because he like looks like he's crazy or he's like juddering or anything. No, it's, it's just the passion. It's the passion, but it's also the very, very like branches and branches and twigs of ideas. Well, abstract ideas. Well, yeah. Cause you have like the guy on the side that she's like, yeah, well, you know, on Sunday, the aliens are going to talk to me. But like, you're like, that guy's <laughs> fucking on crack where right. it's like, no, but there's really, really serious space people. Well, you can and dial they it know back. A lot of- <laughs> yeah, you, you actually now you can now which we we have YouTube, we have a book, we have a comic, we have all these ways you can go and read and look at this and go backwards. All, I guess I'm only one of the ones that can do it, but I can look at all that and then I can remember that conversation and I'm like, oh my god, he wasn't crazy. Like this was like it just and and there's so much more. That's the best part about why this is exciting to be a part of this project it's not even close. Like you talk about Netflix or you talk about video games, you talk about just being able to have total ownership of something, not even there yet. Um, that's why it's so exciting. And I, there's been plenty of times and Siobhan has seen it where I'm just like throwing my hat in the other direction and burying my head. Um, but I, I don't know, there's just no quit in that. It's just too exciting to see whatever this is going to be turning into next. You know, you mentioned like there was these periods of your life where you had that complete change of a chapter. Mm -hmm. um, so when you were, you became, you know, went from the contractor to be, I'm going to be it's star set Ron now, like when, <laughs> what around when was that? Like, and, and like when, how was that shift? Was it a complete like off, you know, at a no. certain point? No, that was, so the grind for me happened later. The, the grind for Dustin happened as I became his friend and all those kind of side snippet stories we just talked about like he was grinding for years to get to that point my grind i feel like for music started as we joined it and and we knew financially that you know i was living pretty well like contractors make good money and i was doing very well for myself but i'd also saved and i i think i saved and i almost feel like i knew something was coming because i just didn't i had enough in the bank that i just could survive but i had also set myself up in a 
uh, a rental situation with a number of people that I could lean on. And I, you know, I didn't really leave like a huge void mor mortgage or a crazy rent or whatever. I was just living well within my means. And uh, that I was lucky for that. Um, but the grind happened as we got into it because there was just multiple phases of this project that needed to get to a certain point, which meant massive reinvestment. So never any real compensation uh, other than taking care of our guys, taking care of our crew, taking care of whoever it was that we were working with um, for the better part of the last six years, uh, just making sure everything was taken care of and then just reinvested, reinvested, reinvested until we got to a point where we could realize that, you know, we were happy with the production level of the show, but also the production level of the art. I mean, everything that he has in his head is, is curated for a certain look. Um, and you don't want that to be, you know, just like anybody else putting out art, you just don't want that product to be consumed in the wrong way. Cause it could just change everything. Um, so yeah, that the switch for me was, uh, I guess initially violent because <laughs> we got, we got, <laughs> okay. we got, we got offered, we got offered like a big tour, uh, in 20, 2013 was the first tour and that was small. We did that for two weeks. I, was, I had like a hiatus from work. I was still working. Uh, 2013, I worked for the first part of the year, but I was doing mostly remote work. And that was before anyone did remote work. I was like convincing my boss that I could be anywhere and do my job. And I was good at it, but like, let's be honest, you're playing shows. Like how the hell are you going to be able to focus when you can't even, you're staying up all night driving and in a van and doing, you, know, you don't have wireless internet. With crackheads. Yeah. With, well, yeah. Oh, there were plenty of those in those days. Van to van days. Oh my God. Luckily no drugs. Cause we got some good people in our crew, but God. Um, yeah. Some scary nights, but yeah. It, the, the, what I mean by violent was that we went from, all right, I can do this. I can manage two things at once to no, I can't, I can't do this at all. I was staying up. I remember we had a sprinter at one point and I was staying up in the front seat working when we parked after I drove or after someone drove and all night I'm sitting there like trying to work, going to bed, maybe sleeping two hours, getting up, loading in, doing a show, doing that again. And I'm just like, this is not going to work. But I also wasn't paying myself and it was getting to that point where savings was starting to dwindle. We hadn't done anything compensation wise on our end, him and I are not taking anything out. So we're just finding ways to like offset this, to just keep pushing it down the line. And that lasted for a better part of like two or three years, maybe more. Um, we did some pretty weird odd job stuff on like non-tour time just to make up for it. But I, I would do it again. It Go on. <laughs> yeah, so what's the weirdest odd job? Like, you, were you working oh, look, like a mortuary or some shit? No, look, I actually, dude, I'll totally leave. You should, if you get Dustin on here, you should ask him what he did in between because I'm totally not stepping on that. But, <laughs> but like, but we, I did some crazy shit. Like, I had, I thankfully, I have an amazing. Uh, I, I don't even care about LinkedIn, but like, I would say that would be what it was. Uh, I have a, a great black book of friends, like LinkedIn people and Facebook friends and people that I worked with. So I could tap on some people and find contracting jobs that I did. I, I did a stint in Guatemala. I just went down there and worked it for this random company. Their office looked over a volcano. It was ridiculous, but I did that for like two months. I made a truckload of money doing it. Cause I had one guy that knew that I was capable, did that came back. That was a consultant gig. Uh, I did some Salesforce management stuff because I knew how to operate their software. 
just because I had managed it on the side. I managed a guy who managed Salesforce. I didn't even do it myself. I just like, all right, I can tinker with that. I did that for like six months, like on a remote computer in a sprinter and then at home. But like, dude, that's the fake it till you make it shit. Like you just yeah. do whatever it is you have to do to make sure that Guatemala. Is, well, that was Guatemala. The other time was just domestic, but like, but yeah, I'm on all different uh, time zones and like I'm in Europe trying to figure out how to get on a and Wi-Fi at VPN through like a shitty hotel, which at the time you didn't have a hotspot. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was bananas. And it, I'm so glad I'm not doing that now, but like, that's what it took. It didn't just. I love the fact, hold on. Can we pause? I know Corey hates yeah. this, but the but most bananas thing was the fact that you couldn't sign on to the VPN or the Wi-Fi. <laughs> In Europe, that's when you pulled up but out bananas. I don't think you said anything about going to Afghanistan and risking your life, not going to the military, living with a crackhead, talking about Nostradamus like craziness. It was the Wi-Fi in Europe. That's bananas. We're still bougie at the end of the day, you know. (laughs) There's only a certain number of things I need. Siobhan knows Wi-Fi usually. At least if we're in Europe or somewhere that's... Ron and I are very much aligned. This is why I respect you so much, though. It's like I totally... And I I have not... I can't even say I've nearly hustled the way that you have with all of the, like... Like you say, fake it till you make it. You're not faking it. Like, you're energy and like commitment to just like doing what you got to fucking do to get it done is incredible and like i totally like i've seen it i totally totally respect it it's like non-stop like your energy is so impressive well don't don't discount what you've had to do in the last two years so and are you talking about you. being married no. to brock richard yeah. <laughs> yeah. i wasn't gonna say it <laughs> no i'm saying what all you guys have done i mean 2020 was was nuts and i'm not cracking a beer this is just orange zebia Oh, you, you, you totally should crack if, a beer, though, yeah, if you want. I mean, yeah, no, you, it's, it's we encourage that. And, and also recommended. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, okay. Well, if we're doing a second round of this, we, I'll We do. Like, we, we got a few minutes sure. left of this episode, and then we'll take a little uh, restocking break. <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm giving you. Yeah, sugar helps the medicine go down. I agree. <laughs> no, I'm giving you guys credit because I, I, I know what this, I know what toll this took on every creator. Uh, as soon as it happened when we were in Russia and I was watching not just the markets, but just watching everything happen. And you're just like, Oh my God. Um, everyone's thinking about themselves. And the last person they're thinking about is arts, just like any yeah. funding budget. So um, kudos to you guys. Uh, you created something awesome. Siobhan, I know you went and found every gig under the sun. I don't know how you <laughs> so much. You worked so much in 2020. It blew my mind. I'd floor <laughs> Rox Rock, is telling me, I'm like, yeah. I call him, he's yeah. in Circleville. I'm like, is Siobhan there? He's, she's like, he's like, I think she went to Florida again. I'm like, you think? I was like, I, how do you not know where your wife is? He's like, well, she comes and goes. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> like lot, lot, lots of new video games came out. So at the moment, yeah. he is very yeah, immersed yeah. in one of them because I, I had too many gigs over the holidays. He was like, I had to buy a game. I'm sorry. So I haven't actually really interacted with him that much. <laughs> well, okay. I, I understand that side of Brock too, but I'm just saying... You all, everyone, for the most part, many people found their way in totally different ways and it's commendable. And I, you know, it's a totally new frontier with everything that's happened after these two years. Now, everyone we've worked with, even in the last tour, it's wild how everyone's mentalities have changed. And you were the pioneer of working remotely, as you mentioned. So there you go. You were like a good 10 years ahead of that curve. Well, yeah, luckily. um, Now everyone, actually, I, I get mad sometimes. I'm just like, God, now they're all doing this like you're all working from home I'm like i was screaming to work from home and i told you i would be better at working from home and no one wanted to grant it to me but now you're all like everyone's working from home we're gonna stay working at home I'm like okay cool thanks glad you get it now 
<laughs> Can I tell you, Siobhan, Siobhan, have you met my dad? Uh, have you briefly, met my dad? When, when, you, when, yeah. when your parents came to the restaurant and at the Boston show. Does he come or off? The show. He, he, so he, he saw all of this because when I was growing up, he worked downstairs and he never came upstairs before like 3.30 in the morning. And I was like, what the hell? And he actually had a PA system through our vent so he could talk to my mom. He'd be like, AG, I need some water. And she'd bring it downstairs because he worked at home in front of like screens. And like, I used to think he was a psychopath. I still think I he's mean, a psychopath, but now, like I, you. but now I go downstairs to my basement. I don't go up to 3.30 in the morning and I have no social skills and I have a bunch of computer monitors in front of me and stuffed animals just like my dad. He's a bunch of pigs stuffed all. I don't know what it is, the metaphor, but I have like transformers and shit. It's the same thing. So I'm like, I, I realized I wanted to work at home and I, Ron, like the fact you were able to fake it so many times from just remotely projecting yourself, delegating at such a high level. You think that this is commendable? Holy yeah, shit. What yeah, a fucking farce. This is the greatest marketing ever. But then, you know, I'm, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> that means the world. But it's so weird to have some to walk in someone else's shoes because for me, I'm like, I everything you said just seems so unattainable and intangible. Not to say I don't believe you, but like, I don't believe I could. Uh, that scares me. Yeah, but I mean, to, to that's what fear for me just drives you further. Some people, like I said, you either walk to the fire or you don't. Fear, I'm like, all right guess we're going to figure this one out and it's scary. Don't get me wrong. It's still scary, but you just do it. You know, right on. Wow. What, a, what a, what a, what, what a, a way to end the first episode. Nike. We're brought to you by just Nike. Yeah, exactly. Say. Sponsored <laughs> by Nike. <laughs> so, so, Sponsored yeah, so, by Nike, Zevia, wine. Yeah, that's I want my MTV. Seltzer. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly, that's exactly got, what this is. I got is the Stop and Shop brand. So. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 dude. The gold emblem, at, I think, was it Walgreens? This is the, or is it CVS? This is the is that shit. juice? No, dude. It's like the really expensive, like, sell, like what, what's it, Perrier or so whatever? Like, it's like water, but, and then they just do like this on the top yeah, of but it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's like 99 cents, but it's equally <laughs> delicious, and it actually has real juice in it. So That's I like feel when good I was about there, and you myself, didn't want to pay so. $2.99 for the Milano cookies, so you got the like the, the private stock, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, Walgreens, you're like, fuck those Milano Those co are water, and you can't get Milano? Wait, come on. Dude, but, but I actually like the cheap ones better. I think that's part of my DNA. Well, regardless, I actually like the someone co-packers. please sponsor us, whether it be Stop and Shop, Seltzer, or whatever. Ben's CVS. I live yeah. off of this. This is literally, Emblem. I have an addiction. Siobhan knows this. It, oh, yeah, he does, have, because there was a good, like, shelf and a half in the box. In my, yeah, in my... In my fridge right now. Is it I go Zivia? around other stores to find Zivia. these flavors. This is orange, and this one's a very. I don't think I've ever even seen so it's that. it's just flavored stevia, but it's got nothing in it. Yeah, just, so instead I of like the superlose, it's got yeah. the zevia, like the the um the stevia, the natural sweetener. I'll also probably yeah. be the guy in like fifty years that you know got some crazy disease from stevia. <laughs> I drink it like no. crazy. But hey. no, no, because like saccharin or whatever, it could fuck up your liver. My mom, like I swear to God, her doctor had she had the craziest count. <laughs> And she, they're like, you're going to die. And they're like, do you drink diet soda? She's like, yeah, every day, all day, every day. Well, this like, is you're not gonna soda, die. Though. So it's no, I know, but, but back water, then, yes, right. yeah, they yeah, thought yeah. that drinking normal Coca-Cola that just oh, had right. old-fashioned oh, right, sugar right, right, right. Yeah. was worse for you than the actual chemicals, like the saccharide and whatever, the bullshit Diet Coke that kills like you. Like the original Coca-Cola? Because that's the... You know. Well, well, not like the the, the cocaine nineteenth <laughs> century Coca Cola, but I'm talking like you know twenty years ago Coca Cola, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Coke hard old stuff. <laughs> so, anyways, coke. I think they call it note, Mexican Coke now. 
That's true. <laughs> yeah. you, got the, you got the real sugar. Um, but yeah, this is what a what a wonderful way to end this episode. Um, we'll dive uh, we'll dive more into the, that. Was a good background, Ron. We appreciate you diving into that, and it's it's fascinating to hear your story because I had no idea about the whole. You know, that's, a, that's amazing. A, that's a path. I, I learned know, a lot too. The, I always see Ron in the grind, so there's a lot of great stories that I got there too. I can just picture him being like, "No Wi-Fi," but there's a volcano. We'll, yeah. So we'll, we'll <laughs> no pick up. No Wi-Fi. We'll pick up present day in uh, in part two. <laughs> Sounds good. So stay tuned. You've been 2020. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 114, featuring Roddy Chong, violinist for Shania Twain, Celine Dion, and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Check it out. And I got to tell you, first of all, I'm in the string section. So the string section, there's six strings to help balance out the staging and, and also the sound of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And I'm watching this show from the stage and I did not understand the show. Like I'm playing and it's like, it's just like fog and I can see different colors going on. But what I did understand in San Diego and Los Angeles at the Coliseum was a matinee and an evening show both sold out. Like I understood the ticket sales. I'm like, something is going on with this band. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.